But that's the importance of just speaking, giving people what it is because our heart will share. People will know who we truly are through our heart. And here it says, their heart was not near him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. Why weren't they steadfast in his covenant? Because their heart wasn't near him. The more our heart is attached to God, the more he's going to pour out of us and the more we're going to reveal him and be steadfast in our walk. Will we be perfect? Not on this side of heaven, because we're still flesh. We're still sinners. We're still desiring to be sinners. And he says that's going to be what he wants. He wants us to be steadfast. Verse 38 says, but, I've talked to you. Anytime you see but, something is changing. Something is changing and we need to pay attention. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. God has compassion and he forgives. And forgiveness is involved, does involve the releasing of punishment. Now, ideally, it should be forgive and forget like God does because he forgets our iniquities. He puts them under the blood. We probably can't. But we must give up our right to want or demand justice if we're forgiving somebody. And that means we don't throw it back in their face the next time that we have a problem with them. Now, well, you did this three months ago, and you know, I'm, yeah, I, I forgave you, but you did it. No, you didn't forgive them. If you're throwing it back up in their face, you haven't forgiven them. Okay? And God forgives. And because he can do it, he puts it under the blood, and he forgets about it. Now, does he truly forget about it? That gets into a whole other question because he knows all things, but he says he forgets it. He puts it under the blood, and by divine fiat, or divine command, he has a place where he's put things that he says, when I put it here, I forget it. And God has that power. He can do it. It's Questions asked about in time judgment and why, how God can uh, forgive and what will happen because of the blood. We will stand at the Bema Seat of Christ where all our works will be judged by fire. There's two judgments to begin with. Okay. One is for Christians where we will stand up and our works will be put into the fire for reward. And in that reward, anything that we do in our flesh will be burnt up. Anything that we allow him to do through us will be rewarded. And I, and I believe at that time he will show us that there was more that we will, would have had if we had been totally obedient. Because it says it will leave that with tears, even though we're getting, being rewarded. But his goal is to reward us. Not to punish us. That, on the beam of seed of Christ for Christians, the, re, the purpose of that judgment is reward. He's looking to say, here's the things you let me do for you, and here's the rewards for letting me do it. We will be sitting at the great white throne judgment in, judgment of, behind, in the judgment seat behind God because we are at that point the bride of Christ. We have been promoted. The white throne judgment, the only people standing at the white throne judgment are those who have rejected God. And they will answer for, basically, they're going to be shown every time they rejected Christ. Because none of them are going to be able to say, I never knew, I never had an opportunity. God will show them every opportunity they had. And for some, some people, there will be thousands of opportunities they had and rejected. Some will have very few. There are countries where they've had very few you know, 
displays of God. But there are those two judgments that are going to happen. When we stand before Jesus, he is going to say, you know, all that stuff's going to burn up. And yes, we're going to say, you know, these were the times I didn't, didn't share the gospel or I, or I spoke stupidity <laughs> out of my mouth and it's going to be, but if, it's put, if we've confessed it, put it under the blood, it's forgotten and gone. Okay, because Jesus' blood covers our sin. Just as it was in the Old Testament, the Day of Atonement, the sins were placed on the scapegoat and the scapegoat was led out and sent away and that was the picture of your sins being carried away and remembered no more. And so when, this is why it says in, in uh, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And then the other places where he says, if we don't confess our sins, we'll answer to it because it's not been placed under the blood. And all these things are not even for heaven or hell. You know, once you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. The, if you're not, don't confess your sins, what you're really hurting is your fellowship with God on this earth. Because if we're living in sin, we don't want to be close to God. And anybody who's ever had a sin in their life that they know they're not supposed to do, and they know they're guilty, the last thing you want to do is read the Bible, go to church, hang, hang, hang out with other Christians, or even faith. You know, you, you just don't want to face that sin. And when you're with other Christians, you're in the, you're trying to read the Bible. I mean, have you ever had something that God's working on you? It's like every, no matter where you picked in the Bible, it's picking on that sin. <laughs> you know, you probably read Numbers, a list of these uh, tribes, and be saying, God, no, you quit. <laughs> you know? For the longest time, every time I opened up the Bible, man, it was condemning me. <laughs> Hopefully it was convicting you more than condemning. Okay, maybe that's right. Yeah. It was convicting yeah, because God doesn't condemn us. Condemning crushes. Conviction is trying to push you into come back and repent. Condemning is what Satan tries to do with us, because if he condemns us, he can break our spirit and drive us away from God. Conviction is what the Holy Spirit does to us, and it says, repent, you're, you're doing things wrong. Now, if we're rebelling, conviction from the Spirit can feel like condemnation. Okay, but God is never going to condemn us as his, as his children because he loves us and he says, I want you to repent. He wants to convict us and say, you are a sinner, get, <laughs> get over it, repent and come and turn back and, and to me. Satan wants to condemn us and condemnation pushes us away from God, pushes us away from the light. And we will condemn ourselves frequently because we're listening to Satan whispering in our ears saying, you know, you're worthless, you're terrible. You know, if you were really a Christian, how could you have done that? You know, and Satan is wonderful in his, in his temptation. He'll come to you while he's tempting you and saying, you know, God will forgive you. And, you know, everybody does it. It's not a big problem. God is loving. You know, we've all been there. Well, well if I do it, I'll, I'll just confess and I'll be okay. And then we do it. And he's right there. What a terrible sinner you are. You're, you're just awful. You don't deserve to be, a, you know, one of God's children. You know, and he condemns us for what he was first tempting us to do and just saying you could repent. We've all been there at some point thinking, well, I'll do this. I'll just confess and say that, you know, I'm sorry to God later on. And as soon as we do it, we're getting this load of guilt and condemnation poured on us. And Satan is, this is the way Satan is. And he sometimes will use other Christians to do it to us. Well, how could you do that? I mean, that's terrible. You know, how could you have done that? You were, you've had victory for so long. How could you have slipped into that sin again? And unfortunately, Christians are not the nicest people sometimes because we're sinners. And as I said, 
when somebody in the world does something wrong, I'm not surprised because they're a sinner. But you know what? When a Christian does something wrong, I'm not surprised because I know ultimately they're sinners. I'm sadder for a Christian who does that kind of stuff, but they're sinners. It doesn't surprise me that they do it. When I sin, it really doesn't surprise me that I've sinned. Even though I didn't want to sin necessarily, or didn't think that I wanted to sin, and, but you know, because I wouldn't have sinned if I didn't want to. But in our mind, we sometimes, humans are really good at lying to ourselves. You know, we're really good about lying to ourselves and saying, well, I, I didn't really want to do it, then why did you do it? Because obviously you wanted to do it. But we'll convince ourselves that we didn't want to do it. And this is why we have problems. This is why we have to be crucified and let God live through us and let the Spirit be our leader. And it's wonderful when he does. We've all probably been there too when, when he is leading us and everything is good and sometimes called a mountaintop experience. You're on top of the mountain, everything's good, the sun is shining, the, you know, and usually that's also when we get blindsided because we stop thinking and guarding our heart. And we fall. And we fall because we get blindsided and when we fall from the mountain, we fall a long, hard distance. And we got to be careful. We need to be so careful at all times. God is good and he's always good he's all the time good and all the time God is good we need to keep that in, mem in memory all the time when even when we do wrong God is good and he's waiting there for us to repent he's waiting for us to come right back and the good news about God is he doesn't say okay you fell from you know level 10 we're gonna put you down at level negative 3 and make you make you reprove that you can get up there again he says I've got you you were, you were on level 10 because of my grace, and he puts us right back at level 10. He doesn't say, go back to the bottom and start all over again, because it wasn't of works. It's all grace. And the more that we realize that anything I have is because of grace, the more solid you get with that attitude, the more loving and forgiving you're going to be of others because it's all grace in their life. You know, and it's important for us to realize, if it's all grace in my life, why do I expect others to perform by works? And we all do that. Mm -hmm. We all do that. Well, this person, I don't like being around this person because they say, they say these things to me. Well, praise God. You know, praise God that you're being tested. Can you love that person who seems to be unloving? That you just can't stand being around? Believe me, I've been around a number of them in my lifetime. People that I just didn't want to be around because they're mean-spirited, they can't say anything nice, they're, they're in the business world, they're trying to trip you up and make you fall because they want the position that you have. You know, it's out there. Doesn't mean that we give them the freedom to do whatever they want, but we learn to love them. Doesn't mean they're going to be our best friend. No, not necessarily. But I need to learn to tolerate them and, and love them with God's love. That means behind their back I say good things about them or as good a thing I can, that I can truthfully say about them. Not saying, well, you know what, so-and-so, they're, they're like this all the time, you know, it's, you know, and it's real easy to do that, especially if somebody else complains about them. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, you know, that's how they are, you know, they're just terrible people. We've got to be careful about that kind of thing. You know, it's is it, gossiping. it's gossiping, it's, uh, it, it is gossip, it is making things, things worse and, and we've said this over many times. Even truth can be gossip. Yes. Mm -hmm. It can be. Yes. 
Now there is a time for a warning if somebody's gonna go into a situation that says that their life might be in danger or their, mor their, their morals can be destroyed, but make sure that it is a warning and not gossip. <laughs> it's very important that you distinguish the two, but if it's gossip, it's gonna tear people down. Yeah. Our job as Christians is to build one another up, edify one another. Sometimes that's not easy. It's very important we find out what we can say honestly about something. The worst thing you can do is try to edify somebody with a bunch of stuff you don't believe. I had somebody do that to me one time. They go, oh, you're wonderful. I love what you're doing in the church. And I asked them, well, what am I doing? And the person looked at me like I was absolutely crazy for asking them. Because I knew the person didn't know what I was doing. Because I didn't hang around that person often enough. You know, so to me, it was more patronizing to say this. You know, well, you don't even, you know, saying good things when you don't know what you're talking about is not, is not great. We need to, when we're edifying and building people up, it must be truthful and not, not false flattery because flattery is not good. Flattery is not in something you want to do to somebody. It must be true. It must be honest and being able to turn your heart to God because that is what he's looking for. God is full of compassion. He turns his anger away. If he's filling us up with all of who he is and he's pouring over and out of us and splashing onto people, what's going to happen? We're going to be full of compassion for other people. We're going to be full of edification for people. We're going to be full of forgiveness for people. And we want that forgiveness. You know, we want it to ourselves. We need to show it to others. We, we want mercy. We need to show it to mercy. We want grace. We should be showing them grace. And remember that everything is based upon grace. None of our salvation, none of the good things that we get are from works. Because what does God say about our works? He says in Isaiah 64, they're filthy rags. The best things I can do, as far as God's concerned, is a bunch of stinking, filthy rags. And that word in Hebrew literally is medical rags full of pus and blood. And you can imagine people, when you, when you hear people say, when, when I get to God, I hope my good outweighs my bad. So they're saying that they want to stand in front of God with a bunch of filthy, stinking, blood-filled, pus-filled rags and have God tell them, thank you for coming this way. Not going to happen. Jesus paid for sin. When people stand before God, that's how they're going to appear if they're not clothed in the righteousness of Christ. They're going to be wearing their, their good works. <laughs> saying, hey, God, come and look at me. <laughs> you know, look at all the good things I did. And when they actually see their good works on them, they're going to regret. And it's too late. And this is why Satan's lie to, in every religion, every religion is based upon do more good than bad at the very bottom core of it. Please the deity by being obedient. Do more good than bad and you'll be okay with that deity. Or worse yet, well, all people are basically good, so you know, he's going to accept everybody. It's the same, same rule. Stand before him in your good works. Christianity is the only one that says, you can do nothing to please God. You must be clothed in Jesus. This is one of the reasons that you know that this is God's way of presenting the gospel. Because Satan always has a multitude of lies against everything that God says. Yeah. Multitude. No matter what it is, he's got a multitude of lies against what God says. So when you can find the one that's different, the one truth that's different from every other truth, you can see that there's God's truth. 
God says that we're to be sexually pure. What does Satan come along? Uh, Adultery is okay, fornication is okay, homosexuality is okay, and any other anything that makes you feel good sexually is okay. And God says, no, purity. God's definition of truth is absolute truth. If you know anything about it, you're supposed to say what you know. And that's what God defines truth as in the scriptures. What's the world tell us? Ah, uh, well, you know, don't say something that's going to hurt somebody or, you know, and I think about this in the courts of law. I, I swear or affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Your lawyer before that has told you, answer the question with as few words as you can. Answer their question, but give them nothing that they didn't ask for. So the lawyers are telling you to lie by God's standard, by, uh, by omitting, you know, you didn't ask me about that, I'm not telling you. God says you, that was a lie. The world says it's a truth, okay? And there's all kinds of those little levels, isn't there? You know, there's the white lie where, you know, where you don't hurt somebody's feeling by lying to them, you know? You know, you're going out, you're going out with a piece of clothing that shows everything and somebody says, oh no, it's okay, go ahead, you know? You know, because they didn't want to hurt your feeling that you picked something bad to wear. Uh, you know, all these things that come out of our mouths, that if we look at God's word, are totally different than what the world says. And we can go through everything the Bible says. You know, the Bible says this, and, God, and, and Satan will sell you this. And, and it's very important that we get into this. God's got one set of truth out there that we have to follow. And we need to be able to follow that truth and, and go into it. Wow, we didn't get very far. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come before you and... Lord, we do thank you that you are our rock, you are our fortress, you are our shield, and that you invite us to come into you. And Lord, we would do that. In, the, in reality, if we were facing a storm, we would run into a strong shelter. Help us to see spiritually that we are in a, in a storm, we are in a war, and be willing to run into, that, run into you as our shelter. And we thank you that you are, we thank you that you care for us and that you love us. We ask that you go with us today as we go out in the world the rest of the until the next time we meet and that you will guide and lead us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.